Welcome to the We as Citizens podcast. Here is your host, Christina Crowley. Welcome to the podcast. Today I have with me Steve Silverman. Steve is the host of World Gone Good, a podcast that he started last year. And we're going to talk with him a bit about that today and, and much, much more. So welcome, Steve. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you, meet you, talk to you. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be fun. So, uh, But, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, that's always such a hard question, isn't it? Because I think that what you say about yourself first is how you see yourself. So um, I, uh, (laughs) well, I have so many choices. I live in Santa Barbara, California, by way of Palm Springs, by way of Los Angeles, by way of Phoenix, Arizona, by way of Randolph, New Jersey. It's been quite a trip. I am married now going on, oh my God, eight years and 13 total together with my husband. We have three dogs and one cat. People never believe that we have the cat because we spend so much time posting about the dogs. And then people go, oh my God, you have a cat? (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I'm a writer, um, producer, and I work in uh, television marketing. And that is pretty much me. We are multidimensional people. And so it is kind of hard for us to pick out that one thing to talk about amongst ourselves because we could talk for hours and hours about about those multi-dimensions. And, but we met via such a good Steve on Instagram and I was listening to your podcast and the podcast World Gone Good. And it, it's a year old, congratulations. A lot of podcasts don't make it that long. And uh, what was your inspiration or your push to start that podcast to express yourself that way? So we were in the middle of obviously this pandemic and I was having to be, extra careful as everyone is, even in the small town of Santa Barbara. And I was out for one of my runs. And before I start running, I like to walk for about two and a half blocks. There's a couple of my neighbor's yards that I like to do certain stretches on because they got nice walls. Um, And I was uh, scrolling through uh, iTunes, looking for a podcast to listen to. And I kept starting one and then uh, starting another. And I was like, why can't people make a podcast, the kind of podcast I would want to listen to? I want to listen to right now in the darkness, something light. I want to listen to people doing good stuff. I want to listen to people with a story that are regular everyday people. And then also I want to listen to about 29 to 31 minutes and then I'm out because that's... (laughs) That's my main thing about podcasts. Some of these podcasts go on for two hours and I'm like, oh my God, wrap it up. And then I did what I've done many times in my life is just realize that if there's something out there that I want, why don't I just make it? And I said to myself, how hard could a podcast be to make? And um, I'm not gonna lie, as you know, it's it's not easy. It's It's difficult, right? And I just decided to go for it. And that's pretty much how it started. And I, I, I sat down, made some notes. I lucked out because a friend of mine teaches a podcast seminar. I just missed his four class, four Mondays in a row. So I texted him and I said, hey, Mark, um, any chance you give me a one-on-one? Because I know how to edit. I know how to interview people. I work in television. I'm a writer. I really need the back end of it. I need to know where do you put this thing up and what is an RSS feed? 
and <laughs> all the things you learn, right? When you're podcasting, how do you promote? How do you get people to listen? And that's how it started. And so I love, I love your format of it. And it's, it, it's obvious that you are a writer because there it's, it, it pulls you in. It is incredibly interesting. And uh, so why good? And where have you gone to find the good in your life to bring to your show? That's a really good question. See, I use the word good. I think that again, it was really spawned from, had we not had the pandemic, I probably would have made it a storytelling show or a comedy show. I know a lot of, I worked in daytime for a long time, soap operas, and I know a lot of soap actors. I might've done a soap pod, I don't know, podcast, but the good came from, we were in the throes of some real dark times. We had a uh, pandemic going on. We had racism exploding. We had politics that made no sense. It seemed like every morning I woke up almost numb trying to figure out as I turn on the TV, what's happening today, where and who said it and why have we fallen so off track of where the good and the stability it is in for all of us. And so I think that's where the good was for me. And I just simplified it. I came up with a million names. One of them was going to be such a good Steve podcast. Another one was going to be, that's what Steve said. And then I was like, no, take yourself out of it. It's not about you. It's about what you want the world to be. And I sat there and I thought of the word good. I would like to talk about good things. And then I'm like, okay, what can you make out of the word good? You're a writer. Come on now. And the first thing that came to me was world gone mad, world gone crazy, world gone good. And there you go. So if anybody wants to hire me to do titling for them. <laughs> yeah. it, it does exemplify what your podcast is about. And, but what is good for Steve? What is, what means, what exemplifies, it, explain good, your version of what good is. So my version of good is kindness, laughter. Um, this will come out to some people as, as selfish. But um, how can I say this? Selflessness at the same time, self-care. I really have no problem whatsoever in the last year being by myself as much as I've been by myself. My husband goes to work. He's a frontline worker, so he's a nurse, so he has to go to work. I am alone and I'm good with that. I'm okay with that. I grow with that. And it's difficult for a lot of people. It's not difficult for me. And I think that's a lot of where the good comes from. I have always believed in the simplicity of things and breaking it down and the things that you love that seem so complicated and so, so much work and there's so much prep and, oh God, I'd love to make that meal, but there's so many steps and I have to go to the supermarket and all the things that we put, all the blocks we put in our way. I have found a way in my life to lift them out of the way, look at the good and enjoy the journey. And for me, the good also is the journey. It's not just the end results. I think too many of us have been structured and taught that the end result is where you're gonna find the good. That's not where you find the good. You find the good on the journey and there is no end result. You, there's just another journey, there's gonna be another path, another choice. Does keeping your focus on the journey keep you in the moment? 
Oh, yes. I mean, I'm, I'm a big person into presence and mindfulness and I do breathing exercises probably too many times a day. There's so many times. Yes, yes. It, it does keep you in the moment and also keeps your expectations of a result and who you are, where you are. And that really is like the key thing is, you know, as a writer, there's never been a point in my 25, 30 years of professional writing where I'm like, I'm done. I did it there. I never have to write again. I'm either going to rework, review, re-edit, change what I already did, or find the next thing to move on to that will get me to that next place I want to be. How do you stay in the present moment, but help it propel you forward? Is it just the breathing exercises? Is it meditation? It seems like it's extra. Seems like it's a lot of things. It is. I am also a big calendar person. I'm not going to lie. I have uh, I had three day planners last year for three different <laughs> reasons. <laughs> I have one this year. I was like, Steve, you're wasting a lot of paper. And yes, I can do a lot of it on the computer. I find that, uh, and I've read about this. If you physically take a pen and you physically write on paper, you're 70% more of a chance of completing what it is you wrote down, of experiencing what you wrote down. I believe the same can be true of typing it on a laptop or your phone, but there is something still old school about letting the ink come out of the pen onto the page. And so that, that for me is how I do it. And I, I do plan. I mean, I definitely have plans. I'm not, I'm not all willy nilly. I'm a little willy nilly, <laughs> but I do. I have, a, I have a day planner now. It has everything from podcasts to writing to my job to just stuff I, I want to happen. Another thing that I do, which I, I made a short three minute podcast about uh, as a bonus content is I have a, I started a happy jar. Um, we started this a couple of years ago. I know people probably, some people may know about this. We call it our happy full jar. We ch changed the word happiness to happy full. And I have a, a glass jar in the kitchen with a tiny little stack of post-it notes next to it and a pen. And every day, we try every day to write down something happy that happened. And physically writing down that little note of good, folding it up, dating it, throwing it in there. And on New Year's Eve every year for the last, I'd have to say, we've been doing this since, we've been doing this since Palm Springs. And we lived in Palm Springs seven years ago. So it's been seven or eight years now. On New Year's Eve, my husband and I sit on the floor and we have some champagne or whatever we're having, and we undo the jar and we relive all the happy, good moments from the year one by one. That is such a great takeaway. That is, I think anybody can do that. And because we all need a little lift of our spirits and remembering and, and, and holding on to the good things. I think that doing that on certain milestones as the new year is, that is such an amazing idea that people can take away from this. And you don't have to do, it doesn't have to be, I did 300 sit-ups or I cured cancer. It doesn't have to be some giant thing. It can be the littlest of things. I took the dogs for an awesome walk. We went on a hike. Mm -hmm. I ate, you know, I got that. The coffee was perfect today at, you know, the yeah. coffee shop. Just whatever makes you happy in that moment. And you'll be amazed at what you, what it triggers in you, what you forgot about. And the thing that was so cool that day was so good to you that day in that moment. 
your body, your brain, your, your whole being relives it. It's really, really fun. I can't, I can't stress it enough. So, yeah. Gratitude. It, it, it is, it just builds on itself and it brings more good things to you to be, to have gratitude about. I, I truly believe that. And so you've been doing the show for a year now. Actually, I've been doing it. Actually, I've been doing it since October 7th. Oh, Yes. Oh. So it's been, oh, let's see. It's been six months, almost. Yeah. It's okay. almost <laughs> since last year. Yes. Yes. <laughs> since last year. Let's leave that. What is an overall theme that you've discovered in, in the show or in talking with your guests or what is something you've discovered that you haven't expected? I think what I haven't expected is first of all, when I'm talking to somebody and we're doing what you and I are doing right now and we're recording, I have done many, many EPKs in my life, which is electric press kits, which they still do. It's interviews with celebrities or, or an, a person of interest, a politician, and you sit down and, and I always try to either lead with or put in a question that would not throw the person but give them an unexpected moment of going, oh, I didn't think he was going to ask me that. So if I sat down with you right now, which I'm going to, (laughs) and I ask you and I lead with, we as citizens, well, of course you're ready for that. But when I ask you something that you're not expecting, and I I usually, if, if for anyone who's listened to the podcast, I go wide. And I move myself in. I, I even say that we're going to start wide. I'm going to move in because people are ready to tell you about the thing they think you're there. They're there for. I have a Mother's Day show I just recorded, and it's with two wonderful friends of mine. Well, one wonderful friend of mine and her friend. So now they're two wonderful friends of mine, and they do a show called Mommy Tonk, and they perform, and they're hilarious. They're singer, songwriter, comedians. And I open with, so let's start wide. What's good about being a mom? And they both just went, and they didn't know, because <laughs> they thought we were talking about this, and we, we did talk about all that other stuff. So that was one of the things that I really love to get people to be themselves and to celebrate their own good and to be in that moment. And I think the other thing that's been really, really great for me is, I, I as you know, this takes a long, this is a lot of work, and unless you're... Brene Brown or Oprah Winfrey or someone huge with a giant following, one of the Kardashians perhaps, you're not gonna get 50,000 views, 75,000 listens rather, downloads immediately. And so I've just celebrated the numbers I have in terms of people reaching back out to me and saying that they liked it or they, it made them think of something. I have one friend, I have several friends, but I have one friend named Mary in particular, and she's coming up too in one of my shows. She texts me almost every Wednesday morning and she tells me the thing that either made her laugh or made her think or made her cry. And I'm also, as I'm sure you are, I'm open to feedback. My best friend in the world listens and she tells me when she doesn't like a show. She is not shy about that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So. I think there's a lot of good that comes from it. I just think it's so great that we have this ability to share with people, to connect with people, especially at a time when we couldn't. Yeah, in this time when we couldn't be with our loved ones, 
podcasts have been a way to connect and it's good to see it growing. I'm going to kind of change the subject a little bit here. What are you just truly passionate about? As a human being, I'm passionate about communication and kindness. And I'm passionate about reminding myself and hopefully other people, whether through the podcast or just one-on-one, that the simplest things in life bring us joy. And just, it's funny, like I, I people are always shocked. I'll, I'll randomly call a friend. And they'll answer and go, hello, <laughs> like, what is, I didn't, and I've called several friends and I'm passionate about communication and what we can do with it. I am a writer. I've been a writer since I was a little boy. And uh, when I was a little, little boy, I was, my favorite shows were the $6 million man and the Bionic woman. I was obsessed with them. And I was a little boy and I took a, my dad brought home one of the first before post-its, they would make like these pads and they'd swirl them. Do you remember these? Yeah, yeah. Dad had one from, he worked in the pharmaceutical industry. It was from like Slow K, which was a potassium yeah. supplement. <laughs> yeah, I remember that, yeah. And they would give pads out and my dad would bring me home one and, and my sister and my brother and we could draw on them. Well, I didn't know what I was doing, but my brother walked in or my sister walked in and said, what are you doing? And I had laid out all over the floor, pieces of paper, and I drew a picture and I wrote what was happening underneath it. And it was an episode of, I put them together, the Six Million Dollar Man and the Bionic Woman doing a a team up episode. And I had about 25 pieces of paper on the floor down to, I made the opening titles, I redrew them. Uh And I wrote what they were saying and everything. Well, what I was doing without realizing it was I was making a storyboard. And that's what they do in feature films. That's what they do in television. That's what we do with where I work. And I didn't even know I was doing it, but I was just doing that. And that's really what my passion has been. My passion has always also been animals. Yeah. People think I'm, we are absolutely insane. <laughs> we had three dogs and two cats and it was awesome. And then we were down to two dogs and one cat. And I truly believe that my dog that left me And she was, uh, I had her all 15 and a half, almost 15 years of her life. She led me to this other dog, no question, because this other dog looks a lot like her. My old dog had one year up, one year down. This dog has one year up, one year down. They have very almost similar names. And um, I met this dog and I knew uh, that this dog had lived, it was a stray and she had lived three and a half years in two different shelters. And I knew that we had to, we had to help her. And so we fostered her for 10 weekends and showed this dog that she doesn't need to live at the Humane Society of Santa Barbara. And we were ready to let someone else adopt her. And then we're like, what are we doing? And so we took her. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm so passionate about my dogs. And, but I, I need to say this, just so anybody listening knows this, I'm not a crazy dog person in that I don't look at my <laughs> watch or my phone and go, Oh, we got to get home to the dogs. I'm not that guy. And I have, I got no problem taking two week vacations yeah. without the dogs. You know what I mean? Like that's okay. Well, and as long as you have a good house sitter, then you don't have to worry about exactly. exactly. <laughs> we as citizens is a lot about uh, preconceived notions that others have with people. And that's why I want to have a lot of these conversations. 
what are some preconceived notions that people might have about you? Because we all have them. Well, I'm a gay man. I'm married. There's a lot of preconceived notions of what goes along with that. I think, I think one of the most preconceived notions about me in my lifetime, that was a generic one, a specific one about me is people, friends and family seem to believe that I snap my fingers and successful things happen for me. But the truth is, and I just had this conversation with my mom about this, I have failed a hundred to a thousand times for every success I've ever had. And I can make it look easy and I can say people can hear me or know me and say, oh, he lives in Santa Barbara, California. How hard could his life be? <laughs> and I can own up to a piece of that. Um, but nothing has been easy. I, uh, there have been so many roadblocks and full on failures and difficult times, but I cherish those times. And that is what makes everything else feel and look easy to others. Cause they don't know, many people don't know that side of you. They don't know every little last dark thing or difficult thing you went through, just like you don't know it about somebody else. And I think that is the biggest preconceived notion about me. I have been fearless in my career. I wish at times I had been fearless in my life and my personal uh, relationships the way I have been in my career. I have quit jobs with $300 in the bank. My most famous one, which I will tell you, and I'll name names. <laughs> I quit NBC. I got the job I dreamed of at NBC. I dreamed of this job for six years and I got that job. And then it was two years of absolute hell. Now the lovely people who work at NBC right now are new people. They're not the people I worked for. So I, 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 if they would like to have me back, I'd love to give them another shot. No, um, <laughs> at the time I couldn't work there anymore. And I left, I gave them two weeks notice. They asked me to leave 20 minutes later. I said, that's fine. They took me down to human resources with a security guard, which I enjoyed. I love that I was some sort of threat and they gave me everything I needed. And I got to the gate and they opened this gate and I drove out and I handed my badge. And as the gate is closing, my phone rings and it says, Scott, ABC. It's my friend, Scott over at ABC. And I answer, I go, Hey, what's going on? He goes, Hey, don't mean to interrupt you at work. I'm like, no, it's okay. And I'm waiting to make a left turn. I haven't, I'm not even off the property. And he says to me, I'm looking for a freelancer for the summer. Who do you know? And I said, you're talking to him. And he's like, you have a job. And I said, no, not anymore. And he literally says to me, come over here right now. I made, instead of going left and right to go home, I went left, left. I went to ABC, walked in, had lunch with him. And I had a job that day. Now, what are the chances of that? I would say 0.000001%. And a lot of people say, oh, that was just luck. But honestly, what it was for me 
was being fearless and not afraid and clearing the path. Yeah. And I wish I, in my life, that I had been more of that with my personal relationships. I got to that point slowly. Um, my husband now jokes with me about when I tell him stories about my previous relationship from many years ago that I was in. And he jokingly will say, God, I miss, I wish I knew that guy. And we start laughing because that guy, let, I let the, everyone walk all over me. He's like, so then we joke about that. So I think that's the perceived, preconceived notion about me that people have this perception that I just, you know, snap my fingers and things happen, but that's not, that's not who, how it works. And that seems to be a theme in a lot of the conversations that I have. You've made your own luck. I mean, you can call it that. You make your own luck. Yes. But you make your luck. You worked hard. You made your friends. You, you were true to yourself. And fearlessness can, can kind of come from that. And I can see. So it must be a way that you deal with failure also. How do you deal with that? Oh, I'm like anybody else. I mean, I'm still, I'm still, you know, playing the record player over from things that happened in eighth grade, right? I'm, I'm, there are conversations that I've had with people over the years. There, there was a, there was a girlfriend when I was still straight in college and we had this horrible falling out and I said some terrible things to her. Well, we reconnected, gosh, 10 years ago on Facebook. And I wrote her a note about it and I apologized. She didn't even remember. And then she wrote me about something else going, oh my God, this is so crazy. She's like, all I remember is you being so fun and all this stuff. But she had had a similar situation with somebody else. And here I was spending all that time, wasting all that energy, thinking, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, for something that happened in 1988, really? And so that's the same with failure. I think that failure, when it happens, well, first I think you have to decide if it is it failure, you know, or is it just a reroute, a reboot, <laughs> a okay. new path, another another option. But I embrace it, you know. I embrace it. I will. I will tell you really quickly. My my piriformis is a muscle. Uh, it's connected. It's in your back into your buttock. It's connected to your sciatic nerve. My piriformis went out. For worst case scenarios, it lasts about a year. Mine lasted exactly a year. And if you want to talk about feeling like a failure, when you can, when, when your husband has to wake you up at 6 a.m. in the morning because he leaves for um, the clinic and he has to put your pants on for you while you're still half asleep and your socks on and your shoes, because I couldn't, I couldn't pull pants up. And I can tell you, <laughs> there's a lot that goes with it because we think about it, if you can't pull the pants up, you can't pull them down. And sometimes you have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and <laughs> I can tell you from that year of the piriformis that I went through and that forcing the presence. And that's what I think is so key about failure is it forces everything to stop and for you to deal right in this moment you're in. And, and that's, that's it. I, I don't know. I don't really have an answer for how to other than... I think failure is pretty cool because it's led me to other opportunities and forced me to change. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big part of failure. And I think framing failure in it, it pushed you onto another avenue that you might not have gotten to is, is really important. You brought up something that, uh, that I was 
sick of, but I think that in some uh, situations is necessary is like the cancel culture. I think there are some people who deserve to be canceled, but I, I think it's gone too far. And with society and the good and the bad, uh, how, how do you feel about that? Well, ironically, as somebody who has a show called World Gone Good, I don't truly believe there's just good and bad. I think there's a middle ground. And the middle ground is, is a spectrum, right? Yeah. Um, I think cancel culture is an easy catchphrase that we can use to make it okay in either direction. And, and I think that what cancel culture specifically has done is force people on both sides to deal with the opposite side. It's just too easy to say, uh, as we do many, many times, no matter who's the current president, we blame the previous president, we blame the previous administration. Well, that wasn't my fault. That wasn't my fault. That was somebody else's fault. This happened because of them. And therefore, I'm not responsible for what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that we have to look at the hard truths of what is happening in our world right now. And we have to face things about ourselves at the same time and how we played into those hard truths. It's just so interesting to me because the pandemic just sort of forced it all. It was, I've called it on my show, a flip of a switch. It wasn't like, oh, we slowly, oh, this slowly happened and we ended up in this slope or this mountain, right? It was flip, (laughs) no one gets anything. No one gets toilet paper. No one gets anything. (laughs) So, and I I think that was hard for a lot of people, especially a lot of moms and dads that I know who had this ridiculous schedule. Even as a person without kids, I looked at some of my friends who had these schedules of like, there's violin, there's violin lesson, and then there's ballerina practice, and then we have to get Timmy to soccer, then we have the PTA, and then we have the Cub Scout barbecue. And I'd be like, what, when is that? What, is that over the next month? No, that's Saturday. And I'd be like, what are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, what, it's too much. And I think, yeah, I think that we're just been forced to really look at ourselves and, and, and I don't know how I feel about cancel culture. I don't know how I feel about the words because I just think that it's, it's irresponsible in some ways and it's false way of dealing with stuff we don't wanna deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 I wholly agree with you there. So, what do you see for yourself going forward? What do you see for the podcast? Well, this Saturday, I get my first shot of a vaccination. So I'm excited about that. I believe in science and doctors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, sure. father, my father from the other side, who was in the pharmaceutical industry his entire life, is screaming, go get that shot. I can hear him right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know this about myself. I was living to do what I love doing. Mm-hmm. I started my own company. It went well for a while. It didn't go well for a while. 
I got my old job back where I used to work. And I was living in Los Angeles five days a week while coming up to live here in Santa Barbara on the weekends with my husband and dogs and cat. And the one great thing that happened for me in the pandemic is I don't do that anymore. I've been working from home in Santa Barbara and <laughs> for any of my coworkers or bosses who are going to listen to this podcast, I'm not coming back. I'm not physically coming back. And what I really have found the positive in this last year is I'm okay being me right where I am mm -hmm. and it's all going to work out and it's going to be shitty at times, <laughs> but it always is for the podcast. I just want to continue to provide a space for 32 to 44 minutes where people can come and smile and laugh or perhaps think, a, learn something and think a different way. I have, I challenge myself to keep not just upping the bar, but changing the terminology and what good means. I've had friends on my show. We've, I've had strangers like you who I meet and I ask. I've had fascinating people who I have vegan bakers and organic farmers. I have a beekeeper. I'm so excited about this. Next, in, in the end of April, I have a beekeeper. He was so awesome. I don't even know him. And I just said, hey, do you want to come talk about the good of bees? And he's like, I'd love to because he's a beekeeper. And I just would like to remind people, if I can, through the podcast, that there's a lot of good out there. And the light will always outshine the darkness. That's what my dad always said. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I, you know, I've really enjoyed my time with you today. And I, I love your podcast. I love the good when you, when you want to lift yourself up a little bit and explore, expand your horizons. I think you are, you are a light for that. And thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The We as Citizens podcast, because conversation matters.